following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. He was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. We don't know the exact 
order or timing. The different Gospels give different understandings. But one thing is very clear. Jesus was directed by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness, and in that place, Genesis 3.15 came to pass. It was in that place that the battle began that would crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent would bite the heel of Jesus. And out of that would come the full and complete deliverance of God's people. Jesus came to save his people from their sin. He came to save you from your sin. We'll talk about that today. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, if you don't send the rain, there will be no harvest. And we now in America so desperately need another great awakening. We need the coming of your Holy Spirit to both comfort our souls and to stir us and to quicken us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We need you to come with conviction and break down every remaining stronghold of sin that could possibly remain in our hearts in opposition to you. Today, Lord, as I share this gospel message, I ask that you will remove all sin from the listeners, that you will come with mighty power in healing and deliverance for them. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. In the book of Mark, In the first chapter, verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Now Luke is, by design, omitting certain things. He has a very short book, and in that book he wants to very clearly have us understand the purpose of Jesus' coming. And then he wants us to understand how we participate in that coming now. What steps we need to take in our hearts and our lives to be clean before God and to be used by him for the work of the gospel. He comes into Galilee and he is preaching the kingdom of God is near. This is different than John the Baptist's message that was a message of repent. Jesus comes saying repent also, but the purpose of that repentance is to enter into the divine authority of God that will now rule over the life of every person who is willing to submit to that divine rule. And he says, it is good news. It is the gospel. Verse 16, And Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
if we look, for example, at the Gospel of Luke or Matthew, we see that Jesus had prior contact. This was not a cold contact where Jesus simply walked up to them and said, you must come and follow me. And by the way, he did not invite them. Hello, men, would you like to come follow me? No, he came and he commanded them, follow me. They'd already spent time together with Jesus. Remember, John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and they followed after Jesus. And they said, Where do you live? And he said, Come and see. And so they went. About four o'clock in the afternoon, they spent the rest of the afternoon or evening with him. Peter was brought. Others were brought. The first disciples came. Now he says to them, I will make you fishers of men. Please, I want you to note this. Jesus comes preaching repent. He comes proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that the kingdom of God is here now. It's it's ready to, to burst forth. And he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. For what purpose? To bring them into the fullness of the kingdom of God. So from the very beginning of Jesus' message in the book of Mark, it is very clear that every Christian is called to follow Jesus. Now we follow in different ways. Some will follow Jesus in a government job. Some will follow Jesus in a contractor's job. Others will follow Jesus in an office or in a sales position. But whatever that place is, we are called to follow Jesus and to announce the kingdom of God and to be fishers of men, to bring men and women into that kingdom of heaven, to bring them under the authority of the kingdom of God. See, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of light. You are in one or the other. You are either a follower of Jesus Christ, or you are a follower of the powers of darkness. At once they leave their nets, they follow after him. When he has gone a little further, he sees James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They're in a boat, they're preparing their nets. Without delay, he calls them. They also leave their father with the boat and the hired men, and they follow after Jesus. Now, What Mark does here is interesting. He now takes us straight to Capernaum. There was an incident between the calling of the disciples and going to Capernaum. There were several things that happened. I'm going to identify just one of those today. 
Let me read for you. Then they went to Capernaum. This is verse 21 of chapter 1. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue, and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, it says that Jesus came preaching with authority. Well, where did that authority come from? What does it mean he preached as one having authority? We need to understand what's meant by this authority. What's he talking about? So, The incident I referred to a moment ago is that Jesus, when he came back out of the wilderness, out of the desert, and he calls followers, he begins to form his core discipleship group. He goes home. He goes home to Nazareth. In Luke, the fourth chapter, Verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and remained on him. He had the power of the Spirit without limit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And now he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to those who are destitute, to those who cannot help themselves. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now, in this culture, when you had something important to say in the synagogue, you did not stand up. You stood up to read the scriptures, and then the teacher of the day would sit in the chair of Moses. And there he would begin to speak to the crowd who was all standing. They didn't sit down. He would sit in the chair of Moses. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, 
Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That was his speaking with authority. He didn't say, maybe this scripture will be fulfilled one day, and we look forward to that day. Let's talk about what it means for the future. He didn't say that. He said, today, this scripture is filled in your hearing, and it's very clear he is saying, I am the fulfillment of this scripture. This is what I have come to do. Well, the people were speaking very well of him. They were amazed at his gracious words. He'd been among them as a child. He'd grown up there. I'm I'm guessing that he'd been a quiet, well-behaved child. But suddenly he is out there. And he's saying, I am the fulfillment. They were shocked. They didn't know what to do with this. They said, isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus said, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what you have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I've been in Nazareth. I've been where that synagogue stood. And I've made my way to the brow of the hill, the only one they could possibly have been considering. It's about an hour's walk. They were very, very angry. And the anger didn't dissipate as they took him, hustling him across the hills, to the cliff where they intended to throw him off. And had they thrown him off, he would have died. It's a significant cliff. Jesus walked through the crowd and disappeared. Now let's be clear. He came and he preached with authority that the kingdom of God was at hand. And he was the fulfillment of this kingdom of God. And his purpose in coming, that for which he was anointed by the dove coming down and resting upon him, was that he would have good news for the poor, that he would proclaim freedom for the prisoners, that he would give sight to the blind that he would set the oppressed free, that he would proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Now, what was there to be angry about? Well, everyone in that crowd knew that this reference was to the Messiah, and here was a man that they had watched grow up in their midst, and he was saying, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. And today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. This is why I've come, to set the captive free, to give the blind sight. This is the kingdom of God. You know, I read that. Have you ever been offended by Jesus? If you've never been offended by Jesus, it's probably because you've never been very close to him. And you've not really listened to what he's saying. Jesus is very, very offensive to the powers of darkness. He is very offensive to the kingdom of darkness. Very offensive. And to the degree that you are a part of that kingdom of darkness, he will be offensive to you. And you will stubbornly resist him. And you will imagine that you can continue in your captivity. You can continue in your blindness. You can continue in your hardship and pain. And that somehow God is causing all of that to happen to you. And you will curse, you will curse the light. You will not be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will not be filled with the presence of God. You will curse the light. I want you to be set free. If you say, well, pastor, I don't need to be set free. I'm already free. What are you free of? What have you been set free from? Have you been set free from your sin? It's, it's fascinating to me, this Mark, the first chapter. There's a man in the synagogue in Capernaum. And by the way, just a side note, the scriptures indicate that Jesus left Nazareth and probably never returned to Nazareth. He changed his home base to Capernaum. Now, from Capernaum, he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he sits in the chair of Moses, and he teaches them. Now, we know what he's teaching. He's teaching about the kingdom of heaven. He's teaching about the end of the kingdom of darkness and the beginning of the kingdom of light. We know that his heart is to deliver men and women from blindness and from oppression that no longer do you need to walk in it. You can be set free. So there's a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. 
all through the scriptures, spirits of darkness are always called unclean. There's an unclean spirit, and he cries out saying, Ah, what do you have to do? What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, when you look in the Greek, literally what he said is, Ah, what to us and what to you? The expression, Ah, is an expression of indignation, of disapproval. What to us? What to you? He's saying, what do we have in common with each other? Why are you here? This is my territory. You don't belong here, Jesus. You don't have anything in common with us. I claim this whole congregation. I claim Capernaum. Remember the temptation in the wilderness. Jesus was told, you can have all of the kingdoms of the earth if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, leave now. And the devil had to leave. Well, now Jesus is going directly into the devil's territory. And the devil in this man, this evil spirit, recognizes who he is. There may have been some question at the beginning. But there's no question now. Satan knows who Jesus is. And he is utterly angry and disgusted. And he's saying, Ah, what are you doing here? We have nothing in common with each other. You live in this. I live here. This is my territory. This is my place. As he's expressing his disgust, Jesus rebukes him. And he says, be quiet. You can see Jesus lifting up his hand to this demon-filled man and saying, be quiet. Stop. And then he says, and come out of him right now. And the unclean spirit convulses this man cries out with a loud voice and comes out of him. And everyone watching this is utterly amazed. And they start saying to themselves, What is this? What new teaching is this that has never existed before? The word new being used here in the Greek means something that's never been seen or heard before. This is something brand new. For with authority, he even commands unclean spirits, and they obey him. Now the report of him went out immediately into all the region of Galilee. Now, as I read and prayed over this passage of Scripture, 
several things become very clear. What do you have in common with the devil? And what do you have in common with Jesus? And where are you trapped with the devil? In his ways, in his words, in his attitudes, in his wickedness? Jesus does not come condemning. Jesus never comes condemning. Rather, he comes to set us free, to speak in such a manner to the uncleanness that has come into our hearts because of demonic presence. He comes to set us free. I was troubled last night in my sleep. I was in a place that was familiar to me. I don't know where it was. And this giant devil dog came after me. He got right up, put his paws on my shoulders, looked me right in the face. I knew he wanted to tear my throat out. I struggled just a moment with him. And then I knew in my spirit he could not touch me. And I said, now leave. And I simply turned and walked away. I awakened and I began to pray and said, O Lord, This is a real fight. This is a real fight. The devil does not want to lose his territory. The devil did not want me to come on the air today and announce to you, Jesus is now prepared to deliver you. He will set you free. You no longer need to listen or walk in the way of darkness. He loves you. And he died on Calvary to set you free. The only reason for remaining in an addiction is that you love the addiction and you love the darkness. The only reason to continue as an alcoholic or as a drug addict or as a prostitute or as a homosexual, the only reason for you to continue walking in the darkness and wickedness of the devil is because you love the darkness. Jesus comes to you and he says, Are you tired of it yet? Are you tired of it yet? I said to a a dear brother today, Do you drink? Do you drink beer, alcohol? He laughed. He said, "I I haven't touched that for more than 20 years. He said, I woke up 
one day. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't need this alcohol in my life any longer. He said, I woke up and I poured everything down the sink. He said, I didn't need that anymore. That's when Jesus comes and sets us free. And he speaks to us that word that says, You don't need that alcohol anymore. Leave and follow me. You don't need that bitterness and anger in your marriage anymore. Leave it and follow me. You don't need that sickness anymore. Leave it and follow me. In other words, Jesus came to set us free to relieve us. And the devil says, I don't have anything in common with you, Jesus. What are you doing? This is my territory. And Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of him. And today, you know what I'm coming to say to you? (laughs) Come out of that darkness. Come out into the light. Repent and believe the good news that Jesus Christ died on Calvary to set you free. I want to share one more passage of Scripture with you today. It's found in the book of First Peter. It's the epistle of First Peter. I want you to look with me at this Because it is the very heart of the deliverance that Jesus Christ wants to bring into your heart. It's First Peter, the second chapter. I'll begin with verse 23 so that you get the context. When they hurled their insults at him, that is, when they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Now, listen to this amazing passage of Scripture. He himself, carried our sin. He himself, Jesus. The word carry here, it literally means to pick up, to to lift up. He himself lifted up our sin from us. That's what the scripture means. In the Greek, he literally bore our sins or carried our sins. The sense is he came and picked them up off of us and carried them away. Jesus wants to come and pick up every sin you're still walking in. I know you've been told by many pastors, 
You can never leave your sin. You're always going to be a sinner. They were wrong. The gospel of Jesus is not bad news. If you tell me that I have to continue walking in my sin and that I'm saved, but I'm going to continue to walk in my sin, it means the devil still has full access to my life and he can rip me apart whenever he wants to. And when the devil dog comes, he can consume me. I don't believe that. That's not what the scripture teaches. He himself lifted up our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins, that we might be absent. Literally, to die is to be absent from to have the sin removed from us. Always in Scripture, it speaks about, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ dwelleth in me. Or it'll talk about Christ in you, the hope of glory. It'll talk about dying to your sin. Well, What does it mean to die to your sin? It simply means that you're no longer recognizing anything in common with the devil. You've been set free. You've been released. The bondage is broken. You now can walk free. You now can rejoice and praise the name of Jesus in the face of every demon dog that comes after you. You know how the authority, you have the full authority based on what Jesus did at the cross to look the devil in the eye and say, be quiet, leave. We have nothing in common using his words against him. I like to use the devil's words against him. You're right, Mr. Devil. We have nothing in common. I don't walk in the darkness any longer. I've come out into the light. I am filled by the Spirit of God. And then it says, And live for righteousness. Dikasune. Live for innocence. Oh, I want to live. And that word in the Greek is a verb. It's action. I want to live in victory. I want to live in joy and celebration. I want to live saying to the devil, leave me alone. And I can do that because Jesus came at the cross and he performed that incredible blood atonement that now gives me the right to be a child of God. as long as I'm willing to stop holding anything in common with the devil. What things would be held in common with the devil? Yelling and screaming at your wife or your husband? Yelling and screaming and jerking your kids, treating them like trash? That's all of the devil. 
gambling, playing the lotto, wasting your money. It's not your money. It belongs to Jesus. That's all held in common with the devil. Everything of darkness is of the devil. Watching the violent movies. Having to space myself out with pot or cocaine or heroin. All of that's of darkness. Being consumed with alcohol and tobacco. This one man said, who was chewing a big wad of tobacco in the church. I said to him, you don't need that tobacco anymore. You don't need that chew. He said, oh, pastor, I need it. It causes my body not to hurt so much. Well, this dear man doesn't need his chew of tobacco. He needs the healing power of Jesus to be released in his body so that he is healed and well. We don't need the things of darkness. Anger, bitterness, backbiting, arrogant pride, proving that we're somebody, thinking I'm better than that person. All of that is of darkness. None of that is of the light. With the light, we come out into it so that everything can be seen plainly for what it is. There's no hiding. There's no shame. Oh, how many years have I spent in my life feeling ashamed of something that I was thinking or something that I was doing? No longer. I now wake up in the morning and my heart is happy. It's light. I'm in the presence of Jesus. And when times like last night where a devil dog comes in a dream directly against me, trying to frighten me, trying to scare me away from preaching this word to you today. I got up and I came in the prayer closet. And I began to cry out to God. And the joy of the Lord returned. And my assurance was there that his presence was with me that I could trust what he was doing, that he would carry me through. Now listen, in himself, he lifted up our sins from us in his body on the cross so that we might die, to be, that we might be absent from our sin. In other words, setting the captive free, setting the oppressed free and to to live for righteousness, for innocence, dikasune. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. You were like sheep going astray. That word, astray, literally in the Greek, means to roam around without a shepherd, to be deceived. You were like sheep, roaming around. You were there as free objects of whatever wolf of the devil he would choose to send against you, whatever demon dog he would send into your life against you. 
you were astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Oh, I hope you hear what I'm trying to say to you today. I want you to return to the overseer of your soul. I want you to return to your shepherd. As I give you this word today, I just sense in the Spirit of God that there are some of you who are wandering like sheep without a shepherd. You know you're not walking in the way Jesus has called you to walk. You know you have things in common with the devil. And yet there is something in your heart that cries out to be free. You may be sick today. By his wounds you've been healed. Now you have to step into that healing by faith and say, Lord, I believe your word. I'm not going to doubt it. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I've returned to the shepherd and overseer of my soul. What is my soul? That's your personality. That's who you are as a person. It's the, it's the sparkle. It's the intellectual. It's, it's the personality that you are. You realize your last day on earth and your first day in heaven, you will be the same person with the same character and the same personality. And obviously, in saying that to you, you know what I mean. That if your character and your personality, if, if who you are is not under the lordship of Jesus, if he is not your shepherd, if he is not the overseer of your soul, you will not go to heaven. You will be cast out into utter darkness because you have more in common with the devil than you have in common with Jesus. So I have to, I have to ask you, please, just to be very honest with me. What do you have in common with Jesus today? And what do you have in common with the devil today? Have you made the decision to allow Jesus to lift the sin from your life, to set you free from the sin? Have you had the sin lifted up off of you and do you live now for innocence, for righteousness? Remember, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, seek first to enter into this good news of the kingdom where you leave the kingdom of darkness and you enter into the kingdom of light. You disavow everything of the devil, of the world, of the flesh. You disavow it. You, you say, I no longer will walk in that. 
and you come into union with Jesus Christ. And he washes you and makes you clean by his blood. Is the devil still fighting for your soul? Or has the power of sin been broken over your life? Jesus wants to break the power of sin over your life. From every oppression, from every blindness, from every sickness, the kingdom of God is now here. And he's asking you, he's inviting you to enter into his kingdom. And he wants to make you a fisher of men and women and boys and girls. Part of the joy of this kingdom is that we can invite others to come and enjoy it with us. So how do you stand today? Have you been healed? Have you been healed of anything you hold in common with the devil? Have you been healed from all of the things that have so easily beset you and turned you into despair and darkness and discouragement? Have you been set free? Jesus has made the way for you. And you can be set free. Let's pray. Almighty God, you sent Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. And on that Calvary tree, the wonderful news that he lifted my sin off of my life, that he made the provision that we could walk in innocence before you, righteous before you. Lord, I praise your name. Mighty God of heaven, our Father, I worship you today. I worship you. Thank you. My heart is filled with gratitude. And I pray now for each one listening to this broadcast today that their hearts would be likewise filled with joy and gratitude and that they would turn away from everything they have in common with the devil. They would turn to you, Jesus, and that they would live. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you today. I plead, Jesus, would you send revival to Washington, D.C.? Would you bring about a great move of your spirit in this city to set men and women free? to have their sins lifted up off of them, that they would believe the good news of the kingdom of heaven, that it has come. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm so glad you've been listening to this broadcast today. If you've been set free and you're walking in the joy and freedom of innocence. I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to know what your testimony is. I've been rejoicing in one dear sister who 
who wrote and said, I have found Jesus listening to this broadcast. What a joy that is to my heart. I want you to be free. If you're still caught in the clutches of sin and you need someone to talk with you or pray with you, you're also welcome to write to me or to call me. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage. It's just nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. There are sermons there that are free. Please, come and find what you need to be free in Jesus. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm very grateful that you've been listening. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Don't have anything in common today with Satan but be healed in the name of Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory.